Hi. Hi. Uh, Hi, Ellen. Hello, Erica. And hello, Alexis. Hello. <laughs> I'm so happy so, to see you. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. This week, we're speaking with Ellen Zhuang, who works at Ten Chancery Lane Gallery in Hong Kong. Um, and how I actually met Ellen is because at the beginning of the lockdown, I saw online that Ten Chancery Lane had a book club. Amazing. What? And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll yeah. join a book club. <laughs> like, everyone's on lockdown. Like, why not? Because this sounds like a really good idea. And then yeah. they, the book that they were reading is the Peggy Guggenheim book. Um, it's called, like, Confessions of an Art Addict. Uh, and it's written yeah. by Peggy Guggenheim. Oh, damn. And so I was like, right, this is brilliant. I'm totally going to sign up to this because this sounds like the best idea ever. And so I did, and there Ellen was, <laughs> which made sense because you know she works there. Yes, we were in the same group. Yeah. <laughs> How was the book? Yeah, the book is good. It really makes me want to go to Venice again to go and see her collection again. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I would love to go a first time. She it's seems an, pretty incredible. It's, her yeah. thing is, I think the building is incredible. There is nothing like Venice just for kind of like the, the spectacular going down the canal. That's what's called. I don't think it's like actually a canal because it's very large. Um, mm. But it's an, it is incredible. Like you just, I've never been somewhere else where I've had the same feeling basically. So that's how I met Ellen, and then, um, and then we were chatting because I was like, "Oh, I wonder what she does," and I looked her up, and then I found her, and then I was like, "Oh, how interesting!" Her her MA is very uh, similar. Her dissertation is very similar to what I did for my PhD, except she looks at the institution side of cre creative entrepreneurship, whilst I looked at the creative class for creative entrepreneurship. So I struck up a conversation with her because I was like, this makes so much sense. And hence why it makes a lot of sense to go and talk to Ellen about networking because firstly she does business development and secondly because I networked with her and here she is just like how I networked with you Alexis it's so good networking so much fun <laughs> it's also it very is. daunting it's like you just you know once especially i think the people that like networking sounds like such a cold term or such like a linkedin phrase you know that doesn't f sound fun but a lot of times when you're talking to these people who are in your similar or same you know career path then Definitely. you know you have similar interests <laughs> You know, it's not weird that like, oh, we yeah. like the same things and we have, you know, that's, it's pretty, 
it's pretty fun and then you can make friends i was talking to yesterday i had a fun zoom contact or uh, oh my god what are words what is english i had a fun zoom conversation with a woman that i had met cold emailing for art from her gallery and now we're buds mm. and we're exchanging like fun art things and checking in with each other and also talking shop and you know getting you know the good info and it's just it's just great you know blossoms i like that ellen is just nodding she agrees <laughs> <laughs> yeah i agree yeah i agree so tell us ellen. I, well i think for me now, I mean, I'm still learning lots of new things, to be honest. I mean, thanks to the lockdown, you know, I mean, in Hong Kong or in the mainland China, you know, things are getting better. But at the same time, you know, it's still very hard for galleries, for the clients, for everything. So now I'm really, you know, I'm wondering, like, what I can really do at this current stage, especially I, I listened to all your episodes, you know, before. Thank and you. I do, you know... Yeah, I do think a lot, and I do agree with lots of opinions that you two shared. So yeah, I think I'm busy, but not that busy. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's really how I feel. Just you know, just feel like oh, everything just so different right now. I don't know how you feel about that. So do you reach out to people, or have people been reaching out to you? Well, to be honest, I think I just crazily are reaching to people. <laughs> But um, I mean, now it's very hard to, to really meet people face to face um, because, you know, I cannot travel to China because uh, I, I will be quarantined for 14 days and that I'll be quarantined for another 14 days if I travel back to Hong Kong. And um, so I hope really in the near future, I can really, you know, travel to, to, to China to really visit lots of people. So now basically, you know, I just talking to them, you know, online through WeChat basically through WeChat because, you know, they don't like emails. Everything happens <laughs> on WeChat, you know that. That's Erica, true, WeChat right? is amazing. <laughs> that, is one of, that is like one thing that is very different in terms of how Asia networks and how the Western world networks. Um, I don't know, Alexis, how familiar you are with WeChat, but WeChat is incredible. It's no, I don't know about WeChat. WeChat's amazing. Do I need to get on WeChat? Do I need a WeChat? Yes. Yeah, sure. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah, WeChat is now. so, I think WeChat is, it's like, would you, would you agree with this, Ellen? It's a combination of Instagram and Facebook and having your own personal blog. And I have a WeChat already. Oh, wow. Oh, really? <laughs> So it's full I didn't even know. Fun. Sorry, yeah. keep going. This is so exciting for me. <laughs> and and then you message. And what I really like about the messaging is that yes. you don't have to yeah. add the other person's number. So they like scan your QR code and it makes yes. it a lot easier because it, it's not tied to the number, but it's tied to your, your account. I don't know. I think it's super clever because it's like... <laughs> four platforms into one and you can pay with yes. things and like you can call taxis on it like it's super yeah. it's shopping like, yeah yeah everything mm. even now you know the wechat has the kind of a new function thanks to the virus they can track your traveling experience tra track everything you know just to make sure that you are really clear 
Um, but I think, you know, because, you know, Erica, everything just happens on WeChat. It turns out, you know, to be so, it turns to be so dominant, you know, there's no any alternative ways to really build this kind of, you know, um, connections or networkings. So, you know, it has its advantages, but it also has its disadvantages that I, I really become realized, you know, we need some new ways to, to broaden this kind of communication, not just happening on WeChat, but I feel like at this current stage, I mean, people just love WeChat. They're just so addicted to it, you know, everybody, you know, I mean, Alexis, whenever you travel to China, if somebody has interest in you, they will say, hey, Alexis, can you scan me or I can I scan you? Totally. It's so weird. Yeah. Totally. Oh, it's <laughs> like Blade Runner. Yeah, and it's like, for me, it's so funny when I moved from Asia to Europe, and I yeah. haven't had a business card for so long because you never, you uh-huh. don't really need one because literally, like, direct translation is, oh, I just need to scan you. And yes. so everyone just gets out their mobile and then they just scan each other, like, basically. Yes. So, <laughs> and just scan it's like, what happened? So, like, when, so you cut out a lot of, like, having to get your business card printed and, and like, all the things in the middle is just gone. And it makes it super easy when, you know, like, when you leave, if you go for a private view or you're going to a fair or whatever, you don't come home with a stack of business cards. It's already on your phone. And in terms of that, it's super convenient. And then you also have direct access immediately because then you're not looking at the business card and then like having to email and then they don't know who you are. They've forgotten who you are, but like it's already done. So it's really clever because it takes out a lot of like the middle work. That really does sound nice because I think about like when I cold email someone for a, you know, for like an artwork or something and it's just like I just have to kind of cross my fingers that they go to my website or that they, you know, like look me up on LinkedIn or follow me on Instagram. They're like, oh, okay, this is somebody who's doing something. But that sounds like really cool. I'm trying to like log in. I'm going to, I'm going to be a WeChat person. I will say it's so, speaking of like QR codes in the West, it's so funny. I was at Hauser worth like a million years ago or maybe just last year who knows what's time but the um they had a qr code that you could scan to see to get a pdf of like all of the works and titles and information and i was like oh this is so great so like i did it really quick and the woman who was at behind the desk looked at me she's like you know what a qr code is and i was like <laughs> yeah yeah i do and she's like that's she's like do you know how many times a day I have to explain to people how to do this? And I was like, no, how many? Like, so many. And she was so, it was like a palpable relief that like I understood how to use the technology. And I thought it was funny because uh-huh. I mean, obviously QR codes are not big in America or you know the West. I see them at art fairs, you know, honestly, primarily with like Asian galleries. Um, and it was so funny because I was just like, oh my gosh, like people not only aren't, engaging with them they don't even know what or how and I feel like they've been around for a while and I think I'm techie but I don't feel like I'm that techie but it was it was pretty rich because she was just like oh thank god (laughs) it's it's really it's good like it's convenient I think they really thought about the experience or the user in that sense because 
when I go home to Canada, we'll go to restaurants and my dad would be like, oh, they take we, what is it called? We pay? Is it we pay? And so he just literally puts his phone, sort of like Apple Pay, but like WePay has been around for quite a long time as well. But basically, yeah. it, you just pay through WeChat. Yeah. And so it becomes like super convenient because, you know, you are guaranteed that everyone in China has WeChat, like 100%. Yeah. And even when I used to order takeaway in Milan, I would WeChat the owner <laughs> to put in my order. Amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna come in like 15 minutes. Like, this is what I want. And she's like, okay. And like, you never, you don't even ha- ever have to think that it's it's you're speaking a different language because whether it's where I get my clothes altered or whether I order food, the owners are both Chinese. And so I literally WeChat them and be like, have you opened yet? Can I come pick up my stuff yet? And it's just, it's part of the culture as a Chinese person that you just understand that this is how you operate. And it's super convenient. I'm so excited yeah. about WeChat. Alexis yeah. looks like, like, brain is just I know I, it's like my eyes are like saucers my jaws on the floor um sad sad westerner doesn't know about the cool tech but apparently I did apparently I did I just so, didn't do anything with it so Ellen tell us how you network on WeChat like do you look for people's accounts and then you like write to them or how do people contact you like how do they find you Okay, so let me explain a little bit about the WeChat because it's really very, very complicated because it has everything. You can really do everything on it. Even like uh, one thing before I really introduce WeChat to do business, I would just, you know, say something about Alexis mentioned before, like you went to the gallery and you scanned the QR, right? But do you know once you attend any kind of, you know, office in China, they also have the QR code. But that's a different one. That's a QR code just for WeChat, which means whenever you scan that WeChat, uh, scan that WeChat QR, it will just you know brings you to the specific articles on WeChat. So everything just on WeChat. So yeah, so that's the magical WeChat. Yeah, I read but, about the actually the Asian news, or like the China-related art news on. WeChat basically because they all have their own accounts and it's different. It's actually different information. So even if I'm reading like the same publication, so even if I'm reading the art newspaper, what is actually written in Chinese and what is written in English are different. Yes, definitely. Mm. So it's similar, but it's different. Yeah. Yeah, of course it's different because you know there are signs on censorships and different, you know interest to different markets but basically what i'm doing is i just like a blogger i write a blog for the galleries on wechat so we have the public wechat account so everybody can follow everybody just can type the gallery's name and they can just find out they just follow us this is just like instagram so you know i just write articles share pictures whatever and i just will leave my messages you know contact informations on each of my articles so people can contact me directly but that's one thing because, you know, it takes time to really make you, you know, to, to have enough followers and to become popular. So it's just a long term wrong of, you know, being a blogger. Um, but, I, but, you know, secondly, because, because I'm a Chinese, so 
when I add a lot of people as my personal contacts at WeChat, they really enjoy dragging me to different WeChat groups that I don't know why. The kind of WeChat groups has you know more than 500 people. You have no idea who they exactly are because they all use their nicknames. Uh, so what I'm doing is you know to check their conversation in the group and to figure out who's a curator, who's the artist, who is a potential buyers, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, that's their way of networking. So yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. I'm like yeah. and yeah. <laughs> Her face is still like deer in the headlines. It's just like this is like all such brand new information and like these are things uh -huh. that I want to know about. And it's so, I don't know, it's just great to hear like also like practically because it's one thing to like download something or hear someone talk about it, but to hear like how you're mm -hmm. practically engaging yeah, with the platform it, is fantastic. Sorry, <laughs> keep going. I'm just so excited. So, yeah, I think WeChat, yeah, it has everything. And you can use WeChat to do everything. For example, um, if I'm going to track some specific clients and I don't know him or her, but I know might be some curators know them. So I just, you know, contact them so they can just introduce me to that client on WeChat. You know, they're just so convenient. They're just a kind of a contact link. You click that and you can add other people. So it's a super easy that you know sending emails can introduce me to somebody else whatever it's just too fast everything just too fast and um what are this about wechat you know it still has it it still has its limitations for example you cannot do any live um shows for example i'm going to have a new exhibitions um, but I cannot use WeChat to really do, you know, I'm going to have a live, you know, it's not like the IGTV or some Instagram, you can, you know, announce to people like you're having a new show. So WeChat cannot do that. So I'm now exploring some new online platforms in China. So I'm learning from some social media influencer and I realized there are some platforms that people like to watch live. For example, um, What's the name of that? It's like the Billy Billy. I mean, the name sounds so crazy. It's called mm. Billy Billy. Billy Billy, yeah. Billy Billy. B B I L I. I think it is. Yeah. Billy Billy and Zai Art. So they're the biggest, you know, online platform that people can watch live uh, shows, especially uh, if you are a kind of fan of art or you know anything. So it brings thousands of people to watch you just you know in that particular time so that's crazy and to be honest i'm really learning to be a social media influencer i'm still learning i just feel like it is so different from the traditional views of art gallerists you know or the specialists in this industry right because i realize not many galleries are quite engaging on this platform with their chinese audiences and clients so I don't have much, you know, to learn from them. So I'm really learning from the very first beginning. Um, you know, I'm just learning from some fashion designers and to teach me how to do that kind of stuff. And I'm nodding so. so hard right now because it's so true. And it's interesting because, you know, in the West, they call them influencers. And in the East, they're called like net, net reds, like direct translation. Uh -huh. So it's like literally they have these channels and it's sort of like having your own YouTube channel or similar to having your own 
Instagram account and then you, but what sort of is very different is that they do live streaming all day long. So it's sort of like if you watch Twitch and you watch people play like e-video games or like e-sports or whatever, and it's like direct streaming, but sort of what is very interesting is in, in China, they sort of blend a lot of that together and they, they push products. So what these key influencers I think what are they're not called key opinion leaders anymore. They're shifting it. At least I know in like the fashion lux industry, they're they're shifting it from KOLs to KOCs, which is key opinion consumers. And the way that they operate is slightly differently because they quote unquote test a product and they tell you their like real life feedback, whereas KOLs don't necessarily do that because they're paid avatorials, like so to speak. Uh, and it's super interesting to see how different it is. You know, a lot of people talk about how it's re- it's very different to engage with the Chinese audience because they do things completely differently. They have a completely different strategy or method. And these this is basically why um, for China, yes, it was very boring for a lot of people when when the country went into shutdown, lockdown, but they could engage in a completely different way because you know, like what I think I read that um, WeChat, the traffic went up by 900% or something like that. Like, and I was like, well, that's not surprising because basically it off- it offers all the services that you're looking for on one platform. But now that everyone's at home, you know, everyone's sort of like looking for those outlets to go and do something. So instead of doing it on multiple platforms where I think what we're doing. So like it's YouTube, Instagram, maybe play video games, maybe it's Twitch, but it's just one thing all together. And it's, so that's sort of like the difference where it is about this consolidation into like one, one specific platform. I guess the difference is, is that like Ellen was saying is that they, they don't have live streaming. So that's kind of interesting. interesting. So the fact that like it's all in one place, you're not getting that kind of division like you have here where some people like Facebook, some people like YouTube, some people like Twitter, some people like Instagram. So if you want to find those people, you have to go to four different platforms. With with WeChat, you can find everybody and they would just engage with the platform on the in the ways that they prefer. So that, mm-hmm. be yeah. that reading blogs or be that in group chats. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, basically. And it also, you know, WeChat, you know, it's still kind of, you know, your private social media account. So um, it's still based on, you know, person-to-person connections. For example, I will never add strangers to my WeChat list. So, yeah, at least when you send a kind of, you know, just like a LinkedIn when you want to contact me, you have to leave a note like who you are, like they who's your friends, you, yeah. friends, how you find me. So they mm-hmm. must accept you first. Then you become friends and then you can chat. Um, so it really, really depends on friends' recommendation. depends on your personal networking to a particular group of people because you can never find their WeChat account on, their, on, on the newspapers or on websites. So it's still quite private. Uh, but you know, to some degree, it's still open because you know they just so easy to add you uh, on WeChat if they know you or they meet you or they know you're very interesting. So 
it's just so a kind of message, you know, on WeChat. Is you can you can read you can actually write a book to introduce WeChat. Actually, just so it's growing. I mean, its functions are just totally growing and it changes, you know, year by year. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. So, so keep on going. So you you you're learning from what the fashion industry is are doing yeah. on WeChat in order for you to be able to go and network with other galleries or other collectors or clients, etc. Um, so, apart yeah. from live streaming, what else are you are you? I'm, uh, actually, I'm not sure if you're doing live streaming. That was just one thing that you said that WeChat doesn't offer as a service yet so what else are you doing other than like writing blogs and whatever on wechat so besides the wechat you know uh now i realize you know lots of art lovers they're using particular platforms in, besides the wechat like the zai art and the bilibili so what i'm doing is you know i shot lots of videos of course in chinese to introduce you know artwork you know but I want to introduce the artworks in a kind of simple way and it be more interactive, you know, interesting and share these kind of platforms. And people follow me and people leave their comments on me. Uh, so, you know, it's just kind of online interactions like, like I'm doing and I'm exploring how to attract more audiences to, to follow the galleries, especially, you know, the gallery has no, um, no branch in China. So, you know, all these kind of things is just you know harder but besides we you know all these kind of online communications now i'm really talking to a lot of um, uh, entrepreneurs and designers um, based in hong kong and you know um, from mainland china is because i realized you know for the younger generations i mean born in 1980s or even younger they really want to do their own startups um, they have some Western taste, they want to fashion, they want to do jewelry, they want to do some virtual art galleries or platforms online. And they just have so much curiosity and so much, you know, interesting to, to you know, to this kind of traditional art world. And I, I talk with them and they, some of them became my clients and some of them just become my friends. So, I just realized, you know, I don't know why. I just feel like the younger generation is more open to accept new things, to accept the emerging artists, to, to, to accept, you know, different, you know, art genres, whatever. I just feel like good, you know, to feel good to, to talk with the young people, not just the traditional, serious, experienced art collectors. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel lots of them now have the mood or interest uh, in buying art. Um, I don't know why, I, they just told me that they are waiting for the big sell at the end of this year. I don't the know. The older clients, you mean? Yeah, the older clients. I don't right. know where they heard the news. Like they, heard, they said they heard the reliable news that there will be a big sign at the end of the year. I just have no idea. I'm hearing that um, too a little bit for people who are like waiting for I mean, it's a yeah. little bit sad. They're waiting for people to get desperate and there will be, I've gotten a few already, a few offers from people selling things secondary and galleries being like, make us an offer. Basically cash is needed. So I hear that, but then I'm also hearing from people, you know, we've got to 
support these galleries and artists now because then there won't be anything after. <laughs> so it's interesting because it's like I understand the inclination and the desire for a deal, but also, you know, there won't be any deals to be had if we don't continue. Wouldn't it be fun yeah. if we just got like a medium deal right now? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I still feel like the Asian market now is kind of, you know, it's turning back because, you know, um, I just heard the news last week, like the two biggest Chinese auction houses, the China Guardian and the Poly, they're going to have the spring auction this July, um, as well as Christie's, which means they already find most of the buyers to, 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 to buy their artworks. So I think it's kind of a good sign. Um, so I still feel positive of the art market in China, but you know, for me at this current stage, I really want to explore just new people. I want to talk to the people that we usually don't talk to, you know, young people. Yeah, young people. And um, even talk to some designers from China, uh, interior designers, I mean. Um, and you're talking to interior designers because because that's a different segment as well. I spoke to, when I was still doing my PhD, I was speaking to somebody who does interior design, but she specifically um, mm. supplies artwork for interior designers. So like when they do showrooms, which is also something that I, I did when I lived in Hong Kong. Um, showrooms yeah. are a big, it's a big market in Asia mm. specifically, and they're always looking for art to be hung on the walls and the show flats. And this is one of the reasons is because they, um, there's a chance for there to be a sale mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. it's big exposure. So that's also quite a difference, I think, between how the Western market works and the Eastern market works. Well, so that's that, interesting because my, uh, we've been, or Megan, my curatorial partner, she does that. She's worked with real estate agents to do that to stage houses here in LA because real estate in Los Angeles, as you know, is a huge market. But the um, and it's the same thing. And she's actually sold quite a few pieces that way because you put it up and then people see it and they like it and and it's it's really it's kind of interesting. But it's definitely one of those. Um, it's not like quite the most accepted in the older unless you're doing one of those, you know, $20 million houses up in the hills on a, like a regular basis, it's not such like a, a well accepted or regarded practice of selling art. But for someone younger, because Megan's in her twenties, she's like, I'm selling art. I'm getting collectors. This is, you know, this is great. And I, I really love that like outside point of view of like, this is, a new way to make a sale, a new way to get a client, because if that person liked that piece of art, what else do you have? And I think that's really, that's really interesting that that's the showrooms is a really interesting, because I would love to get into some showrooms here in LA because we've got such a great design district and the art, the design is incredible. You have these beautiful sofas and beds and vases and everything's incredible. And then the art on the wall is, eh. <laughs> so now I'm getting ideas. I love it. No, it's very yeah. It's definitely interesting. It's a it's a completely in almost independent market or industry, if you will. It's quite common as well. These show flats because 
you know, real estate in in China and Hong Kong is just it's so prevalent. Maybe not like this very second, but it's quite common. And so you get a lot of people going in to go and view the flat. So which means that you know when people are posting things or whatever else is that they're doing when they're taking images, it means that there's a really high chance that people will be able to see your artwork that then gets posted. And it, you know it does get picked up. Like a, what is also very interesting I find in in China specifically is. You can't anticipate what would go viral, and when it yeah. go- goes viral, it really, really goes viral in China, and it's incredible. So you know, you never really know these opportunities in China. Really, could just be because your your work was in a show flat that was just so happened to be that it was somebody really liked it or somebody really noticed it, and like that's just one of the really kind of um, serendipitous things about operating in in china i would say that's a different way of networking as well isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah and because you know china is so big you know it has so many you know i mean all these kind of designers and all these kind of styles are just so different i mean the way to approach to them just kind of also varies but i i feel like i personal my personal experience tells me like you know the interior designers um, from china i mean they do uh, have some right to recognize some artworks to their clients. I mean, they can do play some very key roles, and I'm surprised to know that. Um, even you know, some artworks I recommended or they have interest is quite pricey. Um, they seem quite confident. Um, so I wouldn't say you know they really get the aesthetic value of some artworks. They just feel it looks good in my in my home or in the villa or whatever but you know the way to 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 kind of talk to them like why you should have this artworks is quite different when we talk to some kind of regular art lovers who visit the galleries it's totally different because they don't really care so much about you know all these kind of things what they care is why it has this kind of price, uh, what's the story of the artist, um, and the interesting exhibitions he or she has before. I mean, they ask particular questions, which is, which is very new to me. Um, just, it's not the traditional yeah. way of talking about an artist and a yeah, piece of work, I yeah. think. It's, you know, I think in the West is very much about this person went to this school everything almost gets classified into these groupings, which is very standard. Yeah. Literally starting from they went to this school to do their undergrad and then they went to this school to do their master's and then they were shown and picked up by this gallery and then they are now in this collection. And and there's a lot of like the building of the CV. I think that's like the best way to go and say this. Whereas from what I understand and also from what Ellen is saying is that the way that people talk about art and artists in China is different is that they don't necessarily care as much about the foundational training that in the West they would it's very it's very very structured in order for you to break into or get into the art world you really have to have gone to the schools and be trained in a very specific way in China is not necessarily that case like people will buy your work because they like it 
so it yeah. sort of depends on really the nice. points of view and like how you operate you know what i mean it's it's different like this the sense of the the hybridity definitely doesn't it is such a taboo in the west like what do you mean that you're an architect by in like during the day and then you're like a painter by night like that's not that doesn't that branding or that like naming doesn't really it's not a thing in in china they're just like oh, okay so you paint and then you do architecture it's just like nobody thinks that well what do you mean you hybrid the two things together like that's so unacceptable um in in china it's definitely it's like okay um if you didn't if you weren't quote-unquote formally trained in a school okay it's a lot of like oh okay so I think, again, it depends on like the networking for somebody like Ellen who does business development. I think it's really important to know sort of like where you fit, like how to talk about the client and how to talk about the artist in order for things to fit in a certain way. Because, you know, like maybe the client doesn't care that they weren't trained in the traditional school. I just have I just come up with the two two things that I just recently encountered with my clients in terms of, you know, <laughs> about this kind of uh, artworks. So one of the clients is asking me, like he's particularly like a kind of artwork from a Chinese artist. And he's asking me like, uh, um, why do you think this artwork suit my study room? Um, wow. <laughs> so what I was saying, like, can you show me some picture of your study room? So I can explain that better to you. <laughs> so they ask this kind of question very naturally. They really want to hear how you think about that. You know, I'm just wondering, I want to, you know, this artwork or that artwork, but I just want one to suit my study room better. So that's the first client I, I just met recently. And the second one is also very interesting. So the client is from Shanghai. So he's want to have a kind of a customized artwork from a kind of particular artist. So we say, yes, I mean, the artist is flexible. He can do the customized commission work, you know, if you give him enough lead time and the theme or other, you know, requirements. And then he asked me, like, uh, can you just tell me something about the relationship? I mean, the connections between this particular artwork and the city of Shanghai. I was, wow. So I can tell you, I just immediately asked the artist, like, you know, I just received this kind of question. Uh, and what do you think? Because I really don't know what kind of potential connections I could explain to this client. And we finally, just you know made one that we think it's kind of reliable but i think it just oh my god it's just so it's so unreliable but uh, yeah i love that you think you've heard all the questions and then something comes in and you're like i don't know what but it's yeah. but i think that's interesting because it just goes to show all of the different kinds of clients that one could have all of the different reasons for wanting art liking art it's because i mean i heard one uh, advisor here in LA whose client only wants art that's gray. That's it. It doesn't matter who it's by. I mean, they definitely have more favorite pieces and less favorite pieces, but gray is their favorite color and that's what they want. And I was like, you know what? Why is that less valid than anything else? Because someone went to 
whatever arbitrary school or was shown by whatever gallery. This is what you like. This is what you want to buy. And this is how you want to spend it, your money. Good for you. At least you know. You know, at least the person who wants the piece for, you know, to be connected to Shanghai. That's a personal reason. That's not bad. But it is funny because you're just like, how am I supposed to deal with this? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was just shocked. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, they're just so surprising. I mean, I learned a lot from clients. I mean, mm -hmm. I never could expect, you know. Oh, yes, you, definitely. You, you have this kind of questions. I mean, so interesting, right? When you talk to the artist, you ask so many questions from him or her. Mm -hmm. But you would never ask, you know, the artist the questions about, you know, the, the question the clients ask you. I mean, just so, so amazing. Funny. I mean, yeah, that people are the art is kind of like bouncing back and people are still interested. I was talking the my friend I talked to this week and we were saying how it's a little bit different now than it is, or that it was in like 2008 um, when that we had that kind of recession in the States, especially because we're all stuck at home. So now people are looking at their walls and what do they have? And same thing with interior designers. I'm hearing that people are like really amped on, reframing things and reupholstering and repainting i mean i know i'm doing a, a thousand home things this week you know at, while i'm here and i think that that's really promising for art and i'm hearing anecdotally from friends who you know they need stuff now that they're at home and they're looking around at their home and they're stuck at home and or they're stuck in their office and it's not just a transition space anymore um I don't know, and I'm sure, and I think that we can all see from the sales that are being reported that, you know, the big guys are always going to go. The condos are always going to sell. The Krugers are, you know, those are, that's a, that's a very safe market. But I think it is promising for some of the pushing artists and mid-career artists or underrepresented artists. I think that there's more interest in that as we are spending more time at home or in the office or really taking a good stock of like what we have and why we have it and i think that like hearing that you know the auction houses are obviously getting clients and they're feeling confident and all of these different platforms are going forward and the art fairs are going forward online that makes me happy and i think also in terms of like networking because we are again all you know limited in our interactions uh even for the places that are opening back up people are interested in new connections and things and for work and friendship and you know business development and i think that's i think people are really open i finding and i think that's probably really exciting for you and like business development that you know you are, can talk to these entrepreneurs and these designers and these different places and everyone's like I feel like there might be a little bit of an agreement that's happening globally that things aren't going to look the same as they did before. And nobody really knows a hundred percent. Like when we were talking to Tim last week and he was saying, you know, anybody who says they know is lying. <laughs> um, yes, but like, we, but we do know something's changing. And so I yeah. think that that is a little bit exciting in terms of business development and new client relationships and new artist relationships and having that kind of openness is 
paramount for going forward and being ready and prepared and you know maybe we're the ones paving the new ways you know through our new relationships that we're making and that's that's very optimistic of me right now on a Sunday morning in LA. It's like early. You guys are, it's like super late night for you guys. And I'm like, just like finishing my first cup of coffee, but I'm like, oh, it's going to be a great Sunday and good night. <laughs> no, I feel so sore. I feel so badly. Cause Ellen, it's almost like 2am for it's you. It's almost 2am. Ellen, you're a trooper. Yeah. I'm okay. In it. Um, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy to talk to you too. I'm so happy to talk to people this day, you know, because a lot of people don't like to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, it's because, you know, people don't have the mood, you know, they just say no to art. I mean, in the past the three months, it's just so hard to really bring any kind of conversation with people. I mean, no matter from media, no matter from client, no matter from you know, anybody. It's just so hard. It's just Well, so I'm very hard. happy to talk to you. I know. I'll text I'm you more. Thrilled. I know. I'm about to get on WeChat. You're, you can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are going to be like, why did so we introduce sweet. Alexis to this? Ellen's just like, are you going to come in November to the fairs? And I'm like, can I? Because I don't know if there are going to be airplanes. But, you know, like, if I can, I will. You know, I haven't been to the, sh- the fairs in Shanghai in November, so it's Art 21 and West Bund. Yes. I haven't been oh, to those. I don't think so I went good. last year. So it must have been 2018 when I went. Yeah, I, mm. I really like going to those types of... It's so interesting to see, you know, the big names are still there, obviously. Um, yeah. But it's a different experience to go and experience the fairs in Asia. I actually go to more fairs in Asia than I do anywhere else. Um and I don't I don't actually know why, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's November, I think. Yeah. 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 I think it's usually like mid November and they're usually back to back. Oh that's right, because it goes yeah. Yeah. I want to go to West Bund. I want to go to Asia. Okay. Come with me. <laughs> yeah, no. We're all going, like, guys. Let's go. No, plan like it. I I'm totally want to go. Um, and then seeing some of the new museums is always so interesting to go and see, how, like the curatorial selections and like the shows because they're very different as well in Asia. Um, and it's you know it's different because going to museums or going to galleries is like a family thing that they do on the weekend so it's like a family event so so it's sort of almost like you have sunday dim sum and then everyone just goes to like the gallery or like the museums so like a few years ago when the biennale was on at the power the powerhouse or power plant or whatever it's called um yeah it's just like families like with really young children like running in in like the main open area like it's just it's very very common to have the sort of social outing on the weekends it's a very different yeah. experience social outings yeah, social <laughs> outings. yeah. yeah. And there are lots of, you know, new private museums, you know, they just open recently. I mean, I'm so surprised. I really want to visit them. I mean, whenever you have a chance to travel to China, I mean, we really should, you know, to, 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 to visit this kind of galleries, talk to the people there and say, you know, 
what's happening. I mean, who are the curators and who are the directors who, you know, how they do all this kind of things. Really, a lot of private museums in different cities. Shenzhen, Nanjing, not the top top cities in China. Mm. I mean, like Chengdu. second tier cities. Chengdu has some very Chengdu. yeah, very interesting. Yeah, things in Chengdu. yeah. Amazing. Alexis, <laughs> like, oh, like her face is just like I know. It's just so exciting to hear like just like new stuff. My brain's just like a sponge listening to you guys talk, and I'm just like now I'm like okay, when can I get when can I get to Hong Kong? When can I get to China? When can I get to, you know, the fairs? I want to like, but also like, when can I get to, uh, you know, a coffee shop? And when can I just go to like one gallery? Maybe I should start my goals like really small. Like, when can I just go to like a gallery in Los Angeles? And then I'll build my way up. <laughs> um, it's amazing. But I did hear from a friend uh, that in Seoul, their gallery opened back up and they're taking names at the door, which is interesting because they have to have everyone's name of where you were in terms of contact tracing in case something happens. And she said, uh, she doesn't know how it's going to go forward. And I'm interested because I'm thinking about people going forward of, you know, so many people don't want to admit or like sign the guest book or say their name or have it be, but we're going to have to, and there's going to, and that's going to be interesting because another thing that we've talked about a lot is like transparency and then it's going to have to be like, okay, like, you were you were here. You we know that you were there, <laughs> but that's how we're gonna have to like move forward. And it'll be interesting to see how that filters down in terms of other interactions and things because you won't really be able to hide as much, or we'll just be more used to a new way of life where we are having to be really open about like our our goings ons. Kind of exciting. I'm I just happy galleries that the galleries are, are opening again. The galleries are also opening yeah. in. Kong, I think the big, the blue chips are all opening. Are they not? They're all open. All open. So yeah, they're all by appointment. Nice. Uh, Yes. Yeah. I think I have half, like the half by appointment, half just open to public. It's just, yeah, it's easier in Hong Kong. I mean, China is the same. I mean, they're all open. So yeah. That's such good news. That's good news. I feel people are just very, yeah reactive these days oh my gosh ellen thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and educate me and blowing my mind and getting me into new apps and social media and you guys are like oh my gosh oh i know that one (laughs) (laughs) we're doing really asian i know i love it i know that one my mom's also really into BTS, so like she also like sends me all of these things, and so I know I, that's the only the little heart with your finger, forefinger and thumb is what we're doing on the chat. Um, oh my gosh, how's I'm like trying so hard to be like included. I'm like, look, I know one guy. Pat me on my head. Um, but tell us how to find you on various places so people can follow up and read your blogs and all of these things and keep current. And I want to so give them my WeChat account, but I don't think they can read Chinese. So <laughs> what about they just, you know, <laughs> what about they just follow me on Instagram? My Instagram is Manamate. Okay, great. And I'll put all of that in our little blurby so people can like click onto that and everything and it'll be so wonderful. We'll all follow each other and it'll be friendship. Yeah. Love you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Big loves. <laughs> I'll talk to you.